course, if you if you study much about church history, and uh, a lot of our heritage, that's where it came. Well, really, that's all. But our heritage came from from the United Kingdom, England, and Scotland, and and uh, uh, that region of the world. Uh, we have a King James Bible this morning because uh, the King of Scotland was raised a Protestant and uh, took the throne of Scotland and then uh, succeeded Elizabeth in England and had to, uh, sent forth a decree to have the Bible translated into English. Uh, and so thank God for that part of the world. But if you go over there today, what you'll find is a lot of the churches that, um, that were great churches in, in, in days gone by. Not only a lot of the churches, but a lot of the men that done great things for the glory of God. Those churches are shut down. A lot of them are, are, are pubs today. And uh, a lot of the men of God, uh, I thought about John Knox. John Knox was uh, a leader in the Scottish Reformation. And uh, his grave is in Edinburgh. And they, they paved the parking lot over top of it. And they have a they have in the pond in the one of the parking spaces they have a plaque that's where John Knox is buried underneath that parking lot, and uh, one of the greatest I mean uh, it's just amazing. But uh, uh, I said all that to say this: one of the problems is through the years they failed to evangelize their own, and I really believe that the United States is heading in that direction. And one of the reasons that this country is in the shape that it's in right now currently is because we have failed to evangelize our own. And I'm thankful for world missions, but I want to say this morning that there's a great need in this country, in this state, amen, even, for, for, uh, for the gospel and for churches. And uh, I'm telling you, you get out. Uh, you do a little bit of traveling, you realize just how bad a shape this country is. Yeah, I know you can turn the news on and see how bad it is, but you get out and about in this country and you really realize how bad it is. Uh, I've been all over this country. I think one of the greatest needs uh, is the Northeast. You can go out west and it's county after county. It has no church. Could be 1,500 people in a, in a town, 500 people, 300 people, no church. Uh, but you go up in the Northeast, and uh, you look at Connecticut, you look at New York, Pennsylvania, and you can go city after city with millions of people. And hardly know. I think last count I had, New York City, which is eight and a half million people, has like 14 independent Baptist churches. Uh, that's a four. <laughs> I wonder how many is in Henderson County. <laughs> and a whole lot more. Amen. And. Uh, there's a county in North Carolina that does not have an independent Baptist church. You know what? They need one. Amen. And I appreciate God calling some people uh, to go there and to start a work. And I'm thankful for what he's doing in this family's life. And I appreciate their testimony. And if you get a Bible this morning, turn to the book of John, chapter number 1. I'm going to be just a little different this morning and, uh, and just try to share my heart with you. I'll be honest with you. I've tried to, I've looked at several different things and I've had numerous things on my mind and uh, prayed about many things and a lot of different directions I could go this morning. But I believe that God really just put this on my heart and uh, I just want to try to mind Him. I want to say this, I appreciate the privilege to be here these days and I'm so thankful for everything uh, that this church has done this week. I know that uh, it takes a lot of work to put on a, a meeting like this. 
Uh, and you know, the, the old adage is that uh, many hands make light work, amen? The thing about it is y'all don't have many hands, amen? There's few hands doing a lot of work. And uh, I certainly appreciate that. And I thank the Lord for it. I appreciate this church. I appreciate the nice place to stay. And uh, what a blessing. My wife was so disappointed she did not get to come. We were looking forward a few days, uh, just me and her on the, on, on the river and coming to church. And uh, I, I frequently, Brother Brandon, frequently, I would send her a Marco Polo and say, look what you're missing. And she said, I'm already sick. You don't have to make it worse, you know. And uh, but I appreciate you praying for her. Pray the Lord to touch her, and uh, God would continue. She's uh, uh, I don't know. She's been battling kidney stones all week, and so uh, <clears throat> we should pray for her. John chapter number one this morning. John chapter number one, and uh, John chapter number one. Look in verse number. Let's look in verse number. Let's look in thirty-five, verse number thirty-five, for the sake of time. John chapter number one, verse number thirty-five. You can stand if you're able, and uh, we'll read the scriptures this morning. John chapter number one, verse number thirty-five. <clears throat> the Bible said, and again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples. Now it's interesting if you read the book of uh, uh, the Gospel of John. If you read the first chapter and then on into chapter two, we mentioned this Friday is that John lays out the first week of our Lord's ministry. Uh, in John chapter number 1, he has already been baptized, and then he has went to the Mount of Temptation, has been tempted for 40 days uh, in the wilderness, and he's come back out of that, that temptation period, and he's coming back to Judea where John is baptizing, the Bible said in verse 35, And again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples looking upon Jesus as he walked, saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master, or which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt, and behold, with him, or they came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which has been interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be in the church today. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your kindness. Thank you, Lord God, for this church. And I thank you for the pastor, God, and his family, Lord, and their uh, testimony in this uh, place, God, and their, uh, how, how much of a blessing they've been to our lives. And I pray... God, that you would help them today. Lord, I pray, God, that you would meet our needs and give us what we stand in need of. I thank you for everything that's been done this week, every message that's been preached, and, God, how you've stirred my heart. And I want to thank you for that. But, God, it's a new day. and God, there's new needs, and we are a needy people. Father, I ask you, Lord, that you'd help us, God, to, just to be a blessing. I pray, Father, for the man of God that will follow. Lord, would you touch him? Lord, would you make preaching easy? Lord, I pray you'd use him in a mighty way. 
Help us today, Father. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for standing. John chapter number 1, again, this is the first week of our Lord's ministry. John is baptizing again. Jesus has come back from the Mount of Temptation. And then, again, in verse number 35, uh, John sees the Lord from a distance. And he, 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 he says in verse number uh, 36, And looking upon Jesus, he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. So uh, John quickly recognizes the Lord, and uh, he points him out and says, Behold, the Lamb of God. If you read chapter number 1, I think twice he makes that statement. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And John answered the question that Abraham, or that Isaac asked, in Genesis chapter number 22 when he said, Where is the Lamb? And John here, pointing to the Lord Jesus, said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And can I just say this? I'm glad that that's what he came to do. He didn't come to cover sin, but he come to take away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And I'm thankful for that. But the Bible tells us here that John had two disciples. I think you probably had, I think it's, I think you'll see that he had more than two, but two of these disciples that were following John the Baptist uh, quickly turned and went to see Jesus for themselves. And uh, we'll find in verse number 40 that one of the, uh, one of the two was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. <clears throat> and I want to preach to God to help me on, uh, just for a few moments this morning about Andrew I want to talk to you today about the ordinary Christian. The ordinary Christian. Now when we study the Bible and we come to church oftentimes we hear a lot about the, uh, the extraordinary. Amen. We hear a lot about the men that done great and mighty things. And I'm thankful that God uses people to do great things. Uh, you could go all the way through the Word of God. You, you think about Abraham and, and then you can think about Elijah and Elisha and those men that God used to do mighty things. We come in to the New Testament. We can think about the twelve disciples and really uh, Peter takes a lot of uh, uh, we, I mean we're critical of the apostle Peter a lot but I want to say if you study the gospels he is mentioned more than any disciple of all the disciples as a matter of fact if you study the four gospels he is mentioned second only to the Lord Jesus Christ now Peter, he, I know he oftentimes says the wrong things at the wrong time and oftentimes he, uh, he's out of place and even does things that are uh, seemingly not right. But I want to say when you're in the spotlight more than anybody else, your faults will be magnified more than anybody else's are. And Peter is in the spotlight more than all of the disciples. As a matter of fact, I believe that God chose him how to be the leader of the twelve. And listen, he was one of the inner circle. There was Peter, James, and John was the inner three that always went a little further. And when the disciples are listed by name, Peter is always mentioned first. Again, he's of the inner circle. And when God looked for a man to preach on the day of Pentecost, he chose the apostle Peter. 
Peter was the spokesman of the twelve. He was, a, I, I believe Peter was a natural born leader. I believe he was the type of man that would go into a room and quickly people would be following him. He was just a leader and he was a man amongst men. And so we could say a lot about Peter. We could say a lot about John the apostle and he's a disciple whom Jesus loved and how God thought much of him. He was, uh, listen, he had a special relationship with the Lord Jesus. We could go to the Pauline epistles in the book of Acts and we could read about the apostle Paul and how God used him in a great way. And God used him to do mighty things. But you know, if you read the Bible, you know this, you know there's more ordinary people than there are extra extraordinary people. Amen. There, I mean, I, there's some. I mean, you can read through the Bible, and again, there's there's men and women that done great things, and God used them to do mighty things. But if you read through the Word of God, you'll have to conclude that there's more people. Uh, listen, that just ordinary people, Amen. Just average people, if you will. That uh, listen, we're just faithful uh, to the work of God. Some of them are named, some of them are not even named, and and uh, it's interesting if you study the word of God seemingly uh, that God places an emphasis on the unnamed often uh, instead of the named. Amen. But we come to the gospels I think about Andrew. I want to look at Andrew this morning and talk to you about the ordinary Christian. And so what do you mean by that? Well again we could think about Peter. We could talk about James and how he was the first martyr. He was the inner one of the inner three. We could talk about John uh, but, not, but, but listen, Andrew, uh, was, uh, he was always in the shadows. That's a matter of fact, of the 13 times that his name is mentioned in Scripture, six of those times he is referred to as the brother of the apostle Peter. He's Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. As a matter of fact, the first mention of him here in verse number 40 in the Gospel of John he said, one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. I mean, Andrew seldom stood alone, but he's always most of the time referenced as the, as the brother of the apostle Peter. Amen. So Peter is a prominent disciple, but Andrew seemingly was always lurking in the shadows. He was not one of the inner three, but if you'll find, if you study the list of the disciples, oftentimes he is not of the first three, but he's the fourth. He's always the first man out. Amen. And can I say this morning again, most of us will never, listen, there's, a, there's most people that serve God. They'll, they'll never be in the limelight. Nobody will ever know their names and, and uh, they may, may never have their, uh, their photo on a flyer and, and um, people know who they are. But the, I'm just saying the majority, the overwhelming majority of the people serving God are just ordinary people that nobody ever knows. Friend, nobody may know their name and may, may not even know where they're from or who they are. But I'm going to say there's a God in heaven that knows every individual and he's taken a record of all things this morning. And I thought about Andrew and he's seemingly that way. Amen. Uh, I mean, he, you, you'll not find where he played a great major part in the, new te the early church. He didn't write a book of the Bible. I mean, we could talk a lot about what he didn't do. 
Amen. And you probably could say more about what he didn't do than what. But but I just want to say this. Listen, he was uh, he, he's mentioned in the twelve. Let me give you a few things about him, and I'll be done. First of all, I want you to notice his conversion in this passage, verse number thirty-six and thirty-seven. We see his desire again. He was a, a disciple of John the Baptist. Now again, he was an ordinary man. He was a fisherman from Bethsaida. We learn later that uh, he lived with his brother Peter and, and Peter's wife and, and Peter's mother-in-law. I mean, this man didn't have much in this life if you look at it that way. He's just a ordinary man and looks like he didn't have much. He, he lived with his brother Peter and just, a, I mean, just an average individual, but he, 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 there was something in him that wanted to know more about God. And so he began to follow the, 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 uh, the, uh, the uh, John the Baptist. He began to be a follower, follower of John. And then while he was following John, no doubt, John had told him about the Messiah. I mean, that was John's ministry. He was the forerunner of the Lord Jesus. No doubt he would say, listen, fellas, I know you think a lot of me, but there's one coming after me that is greater than I. Fellas, I know that you think much of me, but listen, don't get too attached to me because there is a greater one coming. No doubt John made every, no doubt he pointed those men to the Lord Jesus. Can I just stop and say this? That is evidence of a good leader. Amen. Listen, a good leader, a good minister does not want the spotlight on themselves, but they'll continually point others to the Lord Jesus Christ. And John, no doubt, done that. And here in this text is no, uh, listen, it is another example of that. He, he, in verse number 36, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And so he quickly points out the Lord to those disciples and said, He, there is the one that I've been talking about. There is the one that I've been looking for. That There is the one that we've been pointing toward. He, he is the Lamb of God. And listen, that, that very statement put a desire in the heart of Andrew to know more about this Jesus that he had been hearing about. Amen. I want to say thank God for the day when God put a greater desire. I'm listening. I was not looking for God. but I'm glad he came to where I was. I'm glad there was a man said, there is Jesus, and there's something on the inside that made me want to know more about him. Amen. Oh, listen, his desire, desire, his decision. In verse 38 and 39, the Bible said, then Jesus turned... And saw them following, and saith unto him, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, been interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. So they're following Jesus. They want to know more about Jesus. And they're following him. And Jesus turns around and sees the two. And he says, What do you want? And they say, Master, where, where are you living at? Where are you dwelling at? I, we want to 
stay with you for a while. We want to we hang around you for a while. And Jesus said, come and see. Amen. And so they decided to follow Jesus. And the Bible said that they abode with him. Verse number 39. They abode with him that day. Could you imagine? what that conversation was like, amen, as they sat there and Jesus had begun to tell them who he is and all about himself and tell them that he is indeed the Lamb of God, amen. And so listen, they made a decision to follow the Lord. I want to say that decision paid off, amen. Notice their discernment, verse number 38. He calls him master, verse number 38. He recognized his position. He had been following John the Baptist. But when he started following the Lord, uh, he said, Master, he recognized him to be Lord. Amen. He recognized his position as Master, as Lord, as Sovereign. And then in verse number 41, he recognized his person. Look what he said in verse 41 when he went and found Peter. He said, we have, in the latter part of verse 41, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. Amen. He said, listen, we have found, when he goes and gets Peter, he said, we have found the Messiah. What is the Messiah? The word Christ is a title, amen. It means Messiah, it means the anointed one. In other words, he is the one that the scripture spoke of. He is the one that the prophets testified about. He is the one that we've been looking for. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is one. Oh, friend, listen that. We have been longing and looking for all these years. It is Him. Amen. We see His conversion. Notice His character. And this is what I want to get to this morning. Notice His character. So He, he, he begins to follow the Lord. He believes on the Lord. And verse number 40, the Bible said one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Isn't that interesting? But here's why. Because he's referenced as Simon Peter's brother. And if you read the Gospel of John, if all we had was the Gospel of John up to this point, we don't even know who Simon Peter is yet. Amen. And so the, listen, he is referenced as Simon Peter's brother. Look at verse number 41. He first findeth his own brother Simon. I want you to notice a little bit about his, char- the, his character and the persistence of his character. Now watch this. He is one of the first disciples to follow the Lord. There's two disciples here following John. One of them begins to follow Jesus and we learn that one of those was John, I mean was Andrew, amen. I think the other one was John the Beloved. But Andrew here is one of the first ones that, that began to follow the Lord. Probably him and John the Beloved. Amen. Andrew. And Andrew goes and gets Peter and brings Peter to the Lord. Peter gets saved. And we'll see that in a moment. And Peter goes on to become prob- arguably well, one of the greatest disciples of them all. Amen. I mean, could you imagine... If it was not for Andrew, Peter wouldn't even be in, he wouldn't even be a disciple. If it was not for Andrew, Peter would not even listen, he wouldn't even be around. Amen. But Andrew goes and gets Peter, and from that day forward, Peter 
and James and John make up the inner circle and Andrew never does. Amen. And so here he is. He is responsible for the salvation of his brother and his brother goes from being a lost sinner to the greatest of all the disciples, the leader of the twelve. Amen. Amen. But not one time do you ever indicate any jealousy in the heart of Andrew? I mean, if that would have been me, I'd say, now, wait a minute. I, listen, when he takes Peter, James, and John into Jairus' daughter's bedroom and raises her from the dead, and he looks around at Andrew and says, you stay out here with this other crowd. If that had been me, I'd say, wait a minute. If it was not for Andrew, me... Peter wouldn't even be here. Amen. And that's my brother. Amen. And, and so, uh, listen, and Andrew, uh, Peter was not even following John. I was a disciple of John. I was following you before Peter was. And so why don't you take me instead of him? Amen. But he didn't do that. There's no indication of jealousy. He's never, listen, he's never made a part of the inner three. Amen. Never. But yet he's always there. He's always faithful. How many times in many different instances you'll find Andrew mentioned almost as a bystander of what's going on. And listen, he, uh, he's not taking a great part. He's not experiencing some great things and he's not witnessing some great things like Peter, James, and John. He's not standing up on preaching on the day of Pentecost. And listen, he's not sitting in the honored position in the upper room. He's just a bystander. But one thing is for sure, he is always there. Amen. And it tells us that he did not let his feelings get hurt when he was not chosen to be a part of the inner circle. Amen. Andrew didn't say, why can't I sing my song? <laughs> Amen. Andrew didn't say, "Why listen, why don't you let me preach? Amen. I mean, he's content living in the shadows. Amen. And I want to say this morning, listen, he is faithful. And, and, and mo listen, most will never stand in the pulpit. A lot will never uh, sing on the platform and maybe never even teach a Sunday school. But there's one thing that every one of us can be and that is faithful. Amen. Listen, nobody outside of select few ever, may ever know who Brandon Boyd is. But I tell you what you and your family can do. You can be faithful to the work that God has called you to do. And when you get down there in the Blacklands and, and it gets hard and nobody even remembers that you're down there, you can still be faithful in the shadows. Uh, listen, because that's where God placed you at. Amen. Andrew had to have enough character to realize he was not meant to be in the front. He had to have enough character to realize that Peter was better made for the spotlight than he was. And he had to be content in the shadow, just being faithful to the work of God. Amen. And see his persistence. Now don't you notice his purity. Amen. If you study all the disciples... Now, there's, there's several that we don't know much about at all. Amen. 
But if you, if you read about Peter and you read about James and you read about John and, and uh, certainly there's Judas and, 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 and the others, uh, almost all of them, we, we find instances uh, of failure. Amen. You remember James and John? Uh, listen, James and John, they wanted Jesus to bring fire down from heaven and destroy them Greeks over there. Amen. You remember that? Uh, James and John and Peter later are arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Y'all remember that? Peter denied the Lord. Amen. We could go on and on. Peter oftentimes said the foolish things. And James and John, even though John was a disciple whom Jesus loved, he was not a perfect man. But we'll see failures in James and John's heart as well. And then, of course, there's Judas. Judas was uh, the treasurer and he was a thief. And we know all about him. But I want to say this. If you read about Andrew, there's, you'll not read about any great failures in his life. Now, John 6, when they find the, the, five, the, the, the little lad with the five loaves and two fishes, and Andrew says, he makes, he makes a calculation. He said, we have five loaves and two fishes, and what are they among so many? Now, a lot of people be critical of Andrew there. But if I had five loaves, five loaves and two fishes looking over fifteen to 20,000 people, I'd probably say, we don't have enough, Amen. Amen. But you don't, you'll, you'll not find where he took the money in the bag. You'll not find where he denied the Lord. I mean, listen, you'll not find that he, done, he was pure in his money. He was pure in mercy, unlike Philip. Uh, listen, he was pure in his motivation. He was not interested in being uh, the first in the kingdom. He was pure in his mission. He was discontent doing the work of God, being faithful in his place no matter what anybody else was doing. He didn't let Peter's failure affect him. He didn't let the others, other men's failure affect him. He was just faithful in his place. Amen. Well, that's what we need. Amen. We need some people that will be faithful and listen, that'll be real, and it'll be right, and it'll be clean, and it'll be pure, no matter what anybody else does. And hey, listen, I want to be committed to be faithful, and to be right, and to be righteous in this day, no matter if everybody else goes astray, or no matter what, no matter what anybody else's attitude is, I don't want their attitude to affect me and cause me to get the wrong attitude. Amen. Peter was, I mean, excuse me, Andrew was a man of purity, amen. But we see his, we see his persistence, we see his purity. But I want you to notice his, his proclaiming, amen. You say, what do you mean, William? Uh, it would be easy, and I, I mentioned this a moment ago, it would be easy for Andrew to get his feelings hurt. Amen. But you'll never find any complaining in his life all he's ever doing is trying to bring people to Jesus. All he's doing is telling people about the Lord. Amen. All he's doing is promoting the Messiah. Amen. And you know what he could have thought? He could have felt like that he was mistreated by the Lord. Amen. Because, can I tell you, listen to me, listen to what I'm about to say. One of the greatest struggles of just being a faithful Christian is this. Watching God bless everybody else and wondering why he's not blessing you. 
What's God answer everybody else's prayers? And wonder why he's not answering your prayers. Amen. Watching people that are not as faithful as you. Watching people that don't live as clean as you do. And, and yet watching them get all the meetings. And them, listen, uh, 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 God blessing them with big homes and nice vehicles. And seemingly it looks like everything's going perfect in their life. And you wonder why. Hey, listen, you're trying your best to be faithful. You're trying your best to do everything that you can do and do right. And be holy and be clean and just be faithful. And yet it like, seems like nothing is going your way. And it's real easy. It's real easy to start complaining and saying, Lord, I don't understand why in the world you're doing it for them and you won't do it for me. I don't understand why you're using them and you're not using me. I don't understand why you're blessing them and you're not blessing me. But yet Peter was content, I mean, excuse me, Andrew was content in the position that he was in and he did not care what anybody else was doing. All he was interested is being what he was supposed to be in the place where he is supposed to be at. Amen. But notice some of the character. I've got to hurry. Notice the concern of Andrew. Amen. His concern, the Bible says here, notice first of all, he had a concern for his brother. And it speaks of his longing. The Bible says in verse number 41, he first findeth his own brother. Amen. One writer said this, the great distinction of Andrew was precisely this, that he brought Simon to Christ. The greatest thing that's ever said about him is that he brought his brother to the Lord Jesus. One writer said this in church history, St. Peter is everything and St. Andrew is nothing but would there have been a Peter but for Andrew. Amen. Listen, when Andrew ran to tell his brother about Jesus, he, he had no idea the capacity that God was going to use his brother in. He had no idea what God was going to do. He had no idea he was going to, Peter was going to stand up and preach on, on the day of Pentecost and thousands were saved. He had no idea but the priority of his life was to find his brother. Amen. In the text, verse 41 is the priority of his brother, he said he first findeth, amen. The first thing he did after he found out who Jesus was is he tries to go find his brother to let him know that he had found the Messiah, amen. And I'm gonna, can I say this this morning, friend? I'm telling you, we could talk about reaching the world with the gospel. We could talk about reaching this community with the gospel. But if we don't first reach our own people, uh, listen, it will all be in vain. But his priority was his own brother. He first find it. Amen. Matter of fact, this word first, amen, not only does it imply the first thing that he done, but it implied that he went out before the other disciple. Remember those two disciples? One of them's probably John the Beloved. Amen. And when they find out who he is, John's got a brother too. By the name of James. Amen. And uh, listen, before John went out to get James, Peter left, or Andrew left and got Peter. Amen. He first findeth. His own brother, the, the part, then notice the persistence. 
in bringing his brother. Look what your Bible said again in verse number 41. He first findeth his own brother. Now, now the word findeth indicates that he sought for him. Amen. He went looking for him. Now, I wondered, I thought about this. Where this takes place is, where this takes place at is in Judea. And Peter lived in Galilee. He lived in Capernaum. His home was in Capernaum. That's where, that's where Jesus came to Peter's home and healed his mother-in-law. That's where his house was, was a Capernaum. His business was on the Sea of Galilee. They're in Judea, probably 70 to 90 miles from where they're being baptized, where, the, where this baptism's taking place, to where Galilee is, Capernaum. It's not just like walking down the street. Now, I don't know if Peter was in Galilee I don't know if he was at home in Capernaum. I don't know if he was fishing on the Sea of Galilee. I don't know where he was. But it appears that Andrew didn't either. Amen. But he was not going to rest until he found him. And I don't know if he had to go all the way to Galilee. I don't know if he had to go get him off a ship somewhere. I don't know where he went. But he would not rest until he found his brother. Amen. He sought him. And then the Bible says in verse 41, and he, and, and he findeth, findeth his own brother Peter, Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which be interpreted the Christ. Look at verse 42. Not only did he sought him in verse 41, but verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus. Now the word brought, the word brought comes from a Greek word which means to drive, to lead by laying hold of. Or to lead by accompanying. Amen. One writer, A.T. Robertson, says this. He said the use of the word here could indicate that Andrew had to overcome some resistant resistance on Simon's part. Amen. So Andrew goes and gets Peter, tells him that he's found the Messiah, and it appears that at first Peter didn't want to come. But Andrew would not take no for an answer. Amen. He brought him. He was persistent. His proclamation. He said, verse 41, we have found the Messiah. Amen. So he brought his brother, speaks of his longing. He wanted his family to be saved. You got family that's not saved. Amen. You got, I mean, you, you got people, you got family, you got people in your life that does not know the Lord, especially your family. Amen. Are you going after them? Are you going after them? Are you bringing them? Amen. You doing? Are we doing everything in our power? Hey, listen, to go get those that we care about the most and making sure that they know Christ, making sure, listen, that they've been born into the family of God. Is that our main concern? Then not only the brother, but notice he went after the boy. Look in John 6 real quick. John 6. Verse number 8, of course, this is a miracle of the multitude, the feeding of 5,000. And John 6 and verse 8, and one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother. What about that? And saith unto him, There is a lad here which had five barley loaves and two, two small fishes. What are they among so many? Amen. The, the fact that he brought his brother speaks of his longing. The fact that he brought the boy speaks of his labor. You say, what do you mean? There's 5,000 men here. 
And I said this other, other night, but the Bible, Matthew said 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children. And we don't know exactly how many is here, but I know there's 5,000 men, one Savior, 12 disciples, and one little boy. Amen. Now, even if there's just 5,000, could you imagine? Listen, Jesus, if you study all the accounts of the Gospels, Jesus said, what do we have? I'm paraphrasing now. He said, hey, listen, we don't, they, we, Lord, we don't have food. We don't have the money. Jesus said, well, what do we have? Amen. So evidently, they had to go amongst that crowd and find out who had what. And if there's, if there's just 5,000 and one, amen, could you imagine just, hey, listen, going through that crowd trying to find out what everybody had. You got any food on you? You got any money on you? You got anything to give an offering? Amen. But if there's 15 to 20,000 there, could you imagine going as they canvass that multitude looking looking for, uh, listen, uh, food or money or whatever they need? Could you imagine Jesus said, what do we have? Amen. No doubt Andrew goes out and he finds that little lad. And he said, Lord, there's a lad here. I found this little boy and he's got five loaves and food, two fish. We've been amongst the multitude and this is all that we found. Amen. We see his labor. Amen. But I want to say this. Not only did he bring his brother, he brought the boy, but I want to say he brought the barbarian. Look in Luke 12. Or excuse me, John 12. John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse number 20. And there were certain Greeks among them that came to worship at his feast. Now, we know this. The Greeks were the outcasts. as the Gentile dogs. Amen. And these Greeks had come to worship at the feast. Verse 21, the same came therefore to Philip, which was a beset of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. They come to Philip and said, Philip, we want to see Jesus. Look, look the next verse, verse 22. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. <laughs> Why didn't he go straight to Jesus? But he comes to Andrew. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, and again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. What about, and again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. One more time, Andrew takes a group of barbarians, a group of Greeks, a group of Gentile dogs that nobody wants anything to do with, that those disciples often have looked down their nose at. Amen. And when they said they want to be, Philip comes to Andrew and said, there's a crowd here that wants to see Jesus. And no doubt Andrew said, well, let's take them. Amen. Now notice this. Andrew brought Peter to the Lord. Look how many people Peter won to God. Andrew brought the boy to the Lord. And look what Jesus did with that lunch. Now, some believe, and I'm not saying it's true or right, I don't know. Some believe that one of these Greeks was Luke. If that's the case, look what all Luke done. You have the book of Acts. You have the gospel of Luke. Because of Luke. 
So Peter may have done, may not have done great big things on major scales, but everybody he brought to the Lord done big things on major scales. Amen. And I tell you what, listen, you may never do much as far as, like I said, being in the spotlight. But if you can just be faithful and bring one to God, there's untelling what that one could do. There's un- untelling what God could I got saved and I started in, uh, in, in May, or I started in 98. I started a job in 98. The first day on the job, I was living a, a wicked lifestyle. I didn't, I didn't know anything about God. Didn't want to know anything about God. And I started a job that day, and I never, I never will forget. I was in Calhoun Falls, South Carolina, and I walked in the cotton mill. And my supervisor walked up to my supervisor. I told him who I was. I said, "I'm your new employee reporting uh, for the job," and gave him my paperwork. And when I gave him my paperwork, he pulled out a gospel tract and handed it to me. And he said, if you died right now, would you go to heaven or hell? And for the next several months of my life, that's all he done is talk to, him about, talk to me about Jesus. And finally, in May of 1999, I got saved by the grace of God. I was, thinking, I was preaching in Westminster, South Carolina last week. And I was coming down 76, there in between Clayton and Westminster. And that week, when I started that job, he witnessed to me on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And Friday on the way home, I flipped a car five, three times in a field coming up 76 in between Westminster and Clayton. When I crawled out of that car, the Holy Ghost said, Son, if you'd died, you'd went to hell. I showed back to work up. I, amazingly, I didn't get hurt. Some men with me did. We come, I come back to work on Monday. I walked on a job. My supervisor looked at me and he said, Heard you had a bad car wreck. I said, I did. He said, If you'd died in that, would you went to heaven or hell? What made me mad? I thought, man, I could have got killed. And you want to know about where I'm going to spend eternity. And that's the way he was for several months. Finally, May of 1999, I got saved by the grace of God. When I got saved, not long after I got saved, my wife and I, we'd, we'd gotten married and we're trying to get in church, serve God. And she told me, she said, this traveling, working, I was working construction, traveling. She said, that's, 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 you need to come home. Amen. We've had enough of that. It's time for you to come home. And so I did and went home. Got faithful in church. Joined church. God called me to preach. And uh, some years later, I was preaching in a camp meeting. And the pastor of the man who won me to the Lord was sitting in that church. He preached that morning. We preached together. He, I preached and then he preached that morning. And uh, after service, I came to him and I I told him, I said, you don't know me, but there's a man in your church. And I called his name, and he told me, he, you know, he, 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 he's, yeah, I know him. And I went to tell him how I used to work for him and how he witnessed to me and won me to the Lord. And I got saved and all, you know, told him the whole story. And what I didn't know that morning, he went to the sound man and got a CD of me preaching. And he went back to his church on Sunday morning, Brother Pearson. And he got up, and, and he, he played, he, he told the sound man, he said, play that. And he played me preaching. And about 10 or 15 minutes, the whole congregation just listened to me preach over there. And he, and, and, and he told him, turn up, and he looked over at congregation, he said, does anybody in here know who that is? And nobody in there did. And he said, I was in a meeting this week, and he said, this man preached. 
And he testified how so-and-so pointed him out. Won him to the Lord. Man didn't even know. Amen. And I'm nothing, but hear me out, I'm nothing this morning. But every person that's gotten saved by the grace of God in my ministry is attributed to that one man. You may never be a Peter. And you may never be a John. And you may, listen, you may never be an Apostle Paul. But all of us can be an Andrew. Amen. All of us can be an Andrew. Let's pray. Preacher, you come. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for church this morning. And let us be here, Lord. Thank you for the word of God today. Lord, I pray you'd take our feeble effort. And I pray you'd stir our hearts, God, to have, Lord, a greater desire just to be faithful, God, to the work of God, to be faithful in the place that you put us in, and God, to do what we can, Father, for your glory. God, we could give many illustrations this morning about one individual that's one another, and that other has went on to do great things. God, I pray this morning that you would help us to go after that one. Maybe our brother, maybe our mother, our father, maybe a cousin, whatever it is, Lord. I pray, God in heaven, that you'd stir our hearts today. God, we just want to be faithful. Help your people, and we'll give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.